Hello, good morning. All right. Today, we're going to teach our third part of this series we were doing on helping others to fulfill God's purposes for their lives. And today, we're going to talk about teaching sound doctrine to those you're helping. Teaching sound doctrine to those you're helping. Now, Jesus wants a fixed, steadfast, firmly established bride. That's what he wants. Let's look at Matthew 28, starting verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them. And speaking of his disciples, he's already resurrected now. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, from this scripture, we can clearly see that Jesus gave the disciples a, some people call it the Great Commission, but it's also a commandment, too, to go and to make disciples, also to teach. Teach those things that he had taught them. So if we're going to teach people, and that's what we should be doing, we should be teaching those, we should be helping those, and, and helping, part of helping is teaching also, part of helping is serving. You can serve by teaching, you can serve by uh, doing a lot of different things with people, uh, but we're talking about today serving by teaching, because I think that we all need to be taught something and encouraged in some type of way. So therefore, if we're going to teach, we need to teach Properly, sound doctrine, I'm putting it today. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's start in verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, if we just stop there, then we have a little bit more information about doctrine about teaching, that you can teach, but also demons can teach, because they have doctrines also. Now, we don't want to receive doctrines from demons. We don't want to do that. But clearly it says here that some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy and of liars seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron. Now, these demons, they were impressing upon people who were going around teaching, and they were teaching false doctrine. They were teaching actually the doctrines of demons. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. 
For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. Now, who's doing the talking here? And who is he talking to? Okay, Paul is talking to Timothy and telling Timothy what he should be doing. And obviously, we see that he's asking Timothy to make sure that sound doctrine is followed, is taught. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, in this scripture, God wants us to pass on that which is taught us. So that discipleship or, or teaching or helping others is going to continue. We need to teach people who would teach people who would teach people who would teach people. And it still is going on until Jesus come back. Because we are here today only because we have been taught. But somebody else taught us and then somebody taught them. And if you go all the way back, it's still the Great Commission which Jesus gave, Jesus taught, and the disciples followed, and we are here today. And I, I praise God for, for people who followed what Jesus said. And it, it wasn't limited to men, just in case the women, um, you know, picked that up. You know, you're also supposed to be taught. That's why we um, have a, a women's Bible study going on by Beth Moore, so that you are being taught to teach to teach, to teach, and it keeps going, going. Because people need to be free from the bondages and the strongholds that the enemy has tried to put on us since we were born. And so, therefore, you need that class, women. You really do. You need that Bible study. And I, I hope it's on a, on a time that you can, you can uh, make time to be there. Titus 2, 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for, let me hear those two words. That's important. That's important. He was telling not only Timothy, he now he tells Titus. It's the same thing. Sound doctrine. Well, this, this word doctrine that we've been uh, throwing around, it's, it's not really not a scary word. Um, you might not be as familiar with it as uh, you um, will be. But this word really is, if you want to define it, it's the thing that's taught. It's actually, if you look it up, it, it can be teaching. It can also be the, the thing that's taught. Doctrine really, uh, my mentor tells me, and he says that doctrine really is like a handle. And if you think of a suitcase that has a handle, doctrine is, is like a handle which gives you a, a, a grip on a body of information. It's like all this in that suitcase. 
It's a body of information. It's the handle. Like, uh, let, let's give you an example of a, of a doctrine. The doctrine of the Trinity. That, the Trinity is a handle. That's what it is. It's a handle. And that handle tells you all that is in, in, in the study, the theological study of God, Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All that, they are one. How are they one? You know, how can they be one and yet they are three persons? All that teaching is in that body of information called Trinity. That's doctrine. It's a handle. Let's talk about another one. Um, let's say the doctrine of creation. Well, all the scriptures that's dealing with creation, the doctrine of creation, if you just said a word, hey, tell me about creation. Well, that's a doctrine. The doctrine of, yeah, you, you give me something. How about the Lord's Supper? Is that a doctrine? Is that a teaching? Sure, it's a teaching, you know. How about Jesus Christ? Yes. There are many, many, many doctrines. So there's just teachings. So it's not a, a, a big a, a word, really, that you, you have to be afraid of when somebody says, well, hey, do you uh, teach doctrine to those people who you work with? Yes, I teach doctrine. You teach doctrine. You're going to teach them something. And whatever you're teaching them, I hope it's something that you got out of the word of God. And I hope you did some research, you know, to, to uh, uh, you know, get this thing going. And if you did, then it's a body of information. You might have taken notes and have everything. If somebody asks you a question, say, well, what I need to know about marriage. I'm getting ready to get married. What is it? Give me some doctrine on marriage. Then I hope you did some study. And I hope you have this information together and then you give it to them. Scriptures, all these scriptures that's on marriage from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Everything the Bible says about marriage, we're talking about the doctrine of marriage, the teaching of marriage. Let's go a little further. Regardless of age, everyone needs sound doctrine. Do you realize that if you don't have sound doctrine, do you realize that you could be in error and your rewards in heaven can be at stake? Do you realize that? If you don't have sound doctrine, if someone, if you believe anything that someone tells you, if someone tells you, well, hey, Jesus is not, Jesus Christ is not God. That can affect, <laughs> that can affect you. You hear what I'm saying? So you have to have sound doctrine. So everyone needs it. People, when they go off to college uh, and thank God for colleges, Thank God for all the college students we have here. Um, but sometimes if they're not grounded in sound doctrine, they can get swayed sometimes if they're in a secular institution and they start teaching them about evolution. They start teaching them about all these humanism. They start teaching about all this stuff. And they, they, they believe they're professors and they get off. That's because they weren't grounded in sound doctrine. So, so um, parents, you need to be like, Eunice, you need to about, about, be like Lois who, who worked with Timothy. And he knew the scriptures from an early age. And that's what you need to be teaching from an early age. Sound doctrine. Now, obviously, we're going to teach these things to those who are helping because we're talking about helping others fulfill God's purpose for their life. I don't know how in the world somebody's going to fulfill God's purpose for their life if they have false doctrine. In order to teach, we must do a study ourselves. Or we must trust somebody uh, who has been studying. 
And I'll advise you to study the scripture yourself to see whether those things be so. Be like the Berean Christians, you know, just because I say, well, you know, doctrine is this and this is what you need. You need to be saying, I'm going from scripture, but you need to look these scriptures up yourself. I wonder, is this thing true? We have it on PowerPoint. I wonder that they just make that scripture up and put in a SB on it. You see? No, we didn't. We didn't make nothing up. But you need to study it and see yourself. You see? Don't believe what, 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 what I say. Study it and see what God says to you. Get you a good Bible, a good reading Bible that you can read and understand uh, and, and start looking things up. When someone else studies for you and you believe what someone else says, then you're trusting not only your salvation, but you're trusting also your rewards. You are. You really are. Because, see, some people say, well, hey, there is no hell in heaven. There is just death. And when you die, that's it. So everything is good. It doesn't mean that you have to be a Christian. It doesn't mean you have to give, Jesus, give, uh, you know, give your life to Jesus Christ. You just have to be a good person. Well, you start listening to that stuff, which is error, and you'll find out that, that if you believe it, you won't even be saved. Some people will say, well, hey, look, you know, I can, you, can, you can be saved and do anything you want to do. It really doesn't matter, you know. Oh, my goodness gracious. Watch who's teaching you. Study the scripture yourself. Ask somebody else. You know, do your homework. That's very important. And when you start studying the scripture yourself, you're doing what they call a theological study. It's not a big word. Uh, is biology a big word? No, not really. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's a science that deals with uh, studying living organisms. So when you're talking about theology, you're only talking about the studying the words of God. That's what you're talking about, studying the words of God. Theos, God. So what we're trying to do now is say, God, what have you said from Genesis to Revelation about this subject matter here? Because I need to know about this subject matter. You've done a theological study. And Wayne Grudem will call it a systematic theological study. If it's on a, different, a particular topic. So doctrine and the, theology is, 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 you know, similar. Today, let's talk about Four big things that I think that you need to teach those who you're working with. How many of you are working with somebody? Somebody. I don't care who it is. You're working with somebody. It might be your child. It might be your, your wife. It might be your husband. It might be your neighbor. It might be your sister, brother. How many of you are working with somebody? Good, good. Okay, the rest of you, I want you to get, find somebody. Ask God. God. Assign me somebody to work with. I need to teach them sound doctrine. I need, to, I need to give me something. Do you realize when you teach somebody else, do you realize you learn more? Because as long as you're sitting being taught, a lot of times, you know, just a little fly will go by you and it'll grab your attention, you know? I mean, you know, but when you start teaching somebody something, Oh, my goodness gracious, they start asking you a question. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this right here? You're going to have to study. You're going to have to get some information. And you have to tell them what's right because, you know, otherwise they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna know that you don't know anything about sound doctrine. So you're going you're gonna to study. So I learn best when I'm working with somebody. 
God teaches me as I'm studying to teach others. And I think it's a great thing. One thing, first thing, out of the four, let's talk about the doctrine of salvation by grace alone. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people, I was talking to one teacher when I used to teach school. And I said, uh, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Uh, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I've been, I, I, I've, been, I've been a Christian since I was born. Oh, oh, okay. Now, you know that's not sound doctrine, is it? <laughs> We were all dead in our trespasses and sins when we were born. All of us. A little bit of babies. Dead. Trespasses and sin. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. We'll talk about that next, next week. Of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all, and it says some, all formerly live in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So we're no better than anybody else. We all had to come the same way. Whether Jew, Gentile, whether male, female, we all had to come the same way. But God, oh, thank God for that, those two words, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, my Bible says grace. My Bible didn't say by works. My Bible didn't say because I give. My Bible didn't say because I, you know, say the right things. My Bible didn't say because, you know, I don't curse, I don't smoke. My Bible says because of grace, you have been saved. I hope you will say that. If it doesn't, tear it out. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before I was saved, I thought that my, my salvation, me going to heaven, was based on how good I was compared to other people. That's what I thought. So I used to watch the other people, and I'd say, well, I'm better than they are. I'm better than this one. I'm better than that one, you know. And, and so I thought that, that, that if you're good enough, you can go to heaven. That's what I thought. Until somebody gave me a Bible, and I started reading, and I said, it's, it's, it's by grace and not of works, lest any man should boast. I said, oh, oh that is not good. Now, how do you get this grace to be operative in your life? So that's what you have to teach 
anybody you're working with, because if you don't, they are going to believe whatever they believe. And there's so many beliefs out here about the salvation of our souls that you don't want to leave it to someone to guess upon it. Okay? Let's go to the doctrine of sanctification. Because that's important also. Because there are people who, they will say, I said, uh, uh, um, have you been saved? Oh, yes. Five times. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. You mean you gave your life to Christ one time, you got saved five times? What do you mean? No, no. Every time, every time is all to call, I come give my life to Christ. I said, okay, good. Okay, now, okay. I just put that in my bank. I said, okay, this person needs to understand the, the salvation. Once you get saved, you're saved. You know? This person needs to understand there's a difference between sanctification and salvation because I asked him a question, why do you keep going up? Oh, because I sinned. I said, what did you do? I don't know. Did you commit murder? Did you? No, I didn't do any of that stuff. You know, I tried to live a good life, but I know I must have done something because I'm not perfect. And so, therefore, I go up every time they give an altar call. Okay. There's a difference between sanctification and salvation. Uh, that word sanctification, it means to make holy, to render pure, uh, to render clean morally. Uh, it's really to set, a, set apart. And one word that was on, on our uh, song list today, uh, I think it was, it's called consecrate. The same word as sanctify. Let's look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go there. And start in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor, I mean, do you see all these words here? Now, when, let me ask you, ask you something. Have you ever known somebody say, hey, I know that I'm in sin because I'm living with this person, so, uh, and we're not married, but I'm a good Christian, you know. God understands that, that if I get married, I'm going to lose my social security or whatever, you know. Do you hear what I'm saying? But, you know, I said, do you think you're going to heaven? Yeah. Do you think you can live a life of fornication? Do you think you can live a life as a homosexual and be and go to heaven? Absolutely. I believe that. I said, well, you have bad theology. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not so. Not what I read now. I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's what my Bible says. So I want to avoid those things that they named and anything else that they maybe didn't name that's similar to that because there's other places in the scripture. So therefore, now I know that I used to live 
a lifestyle just like these people that he's naming before I got saved. But once I got saved, it didn't automatically make me holy to the extent that I could live without making mistakes. It really didn't. When I got saved, I looked the same, I smelt the same, I acted the same. You might not have that testimony, but I do. The only thing that changed is my desire. I had a desire to live the way the Bible told me to live, but I did not have the ability to live that way. So I had to cry out to God, ask for help from people to help me to move from one degree to another degree of sanctification. I have to put this flesh under. When I want to go off on somebody, I could not go off on them verbally because I know that that's not what the Word of God says. But I know I had it in me. I know, is, has it ever welled up in you? You know, sometimes you just want to smack somebody, you know? <laughs> curse them out. And you say, I never knew you used curse words. Well, I have. Until my mama found out. And that was, that was the end of that one, you know? But, I, you know, I'm telling you, in this flesh, there is no good thing. You have to, you have to, I was reading even this morning, that you got to keep under this flesh. This flesh does not want to cooperate. It does not want to cooperate. And so you have to make, I mean, it's, it's painstaking. You got you to drill this, this body into shape. You got to drill this mind into shape because it wants to think the way it wants to think. It wants to do what it wants to do, but your spirit man doesn't. You've heard the scripture says that our spirit is willing, but they finish it for me. The flesh is weak, you see. So I realize that I have a weak flesh. So therefore, I have to make effort to stay in this word, effort to to wash myself, clean myself with this word of God, have people around me that, that's watching me so that I won't do things stupid. You know, now I don't know about you, you know, but if people don't watch you sometime, and if you don't have accountability, you do something that you shouldn't do. You know, I don't want to do anything I shouldn't do. So I got men of God watching me. I got women of God watching me, you see, to watch how I treat my wife. See, and I know they're peeping out the window and say, I want to see going to open the door for her, see. And I know that. I know they'll be watching, see. They'll they be watching to see what I say. I, I know you do. It's normal. And I watch you also. <laughs> yeah, we watch each other. So we got to go. So you have to teach them that it's not about, you know, um, you know, just getting saved. Because some people think, oh, I, I said the words. I went down Romans. I said it. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I said it. Therefore, I'm saved. But you don't see not one apple on this apple tree. None. It's been 10 years you don't see apples. And so you have to wonder, is this really an apple tree? Or that person really believes the apple tree, but they're really not. You want to see some fruit. It's very important. So we have to go from sanctification to sanctification more and more. And I think we'll be learning and be growing until Jesus takes us home. 
the doctrine of faith in God. That's another one that you want to teach. You know, these are, these are four heavy ones I was telling you about. And we'll talk about, you know, other things next week. But this, this doctrine of faith in God, let's look at Mark eleven twenty three through 26. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, that you have received them, that you have received them, and they shall be granted to you. And I said, well, okay, that's a good scripture. That's a good one. Let's look at another one. James 1, 5 through 8. But if any of you likes wisdom, let him ask, the, ask God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts are like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all their ways. Let's look at another one. James five fourteen and 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he is committed his sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you will be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, the King St. James said. That's important. Those scriptures are true. Now. You need to teach that because there are a lot of people who don't believe in faith in God. They don't trust God. They have this false doctrine to believe. Well, I know that God probably could, but, uh, you know, we have to, you know, we got common sense, you know, and the doctor said this and this and that. And, you know, look, you better have faith in God. You see, have faith in God. If God said it, then it's so. And so now you say, well, wait a minute now. I know sister so-and-so, sister so-and-so was in this church, and they were laying hands on, and they prayed, and then somebody said, oh, you're going to be healed, you know, this and that, and sister so-and-so, she died. I'm not going to no church like that, you know, I don't believe in that stuff, you know, because they're they always claiming something, naming something, claiming something, I'm not going to do that because I don't believe that nothing ever happens, all they do, they keep praying for somebody, praying for somebody, praying. you don't ever see anybody healed, you don't ever see anybody, you know, raised from the dead, but they're always praying for somebody, they're talking about God's going to do it, I don't believe that, he could maybe, but he won't, he won't. he's not going to do it, he depends on the doctor, it's people who have lost their desire to be in church, in a church because of something that happened that they thought God should do that God didn't do because the word says if I pray he's going to do it so what's with that that's the scripture I pray I believe and then you have brother Joe said well you you probably prayed but you didn't you didn't you, you didn't pray in faith you know you you doubt it so that's why you didn't get it and then they beat themselves over the head because they say I don't have enough faith you know how do we handle this doctrine? Everything that God says is true. It's true. But you also have to put other doctrines with that, other teachings. There's a, a doctrine called the sovereignty of God. God does what he wants to with whom he wants to, when he wants to, and he doesn't have to ask me or you. Do you believe that? 
And so a lot of things we might think should happen don't happen. You say, well, I read in the scriptures that uh, God gives 70 years, and if you're strong, 80 years. So therefore, I know I'm going to live 80 years. And then you say, well, wait a minute. What happened to Jesus? He was around 33, and he died. What's with that? Why did, why, I mean, obviously he could, I mean, why did he die? Why didn't he live to be 80 and then die for our sins? God has a purpose. He has a plan. And what he does with him is not necessarily what he's going to do with you. What he does with you might not be what he does with somebody else. He just does what he wants to do with whom he wants to do it. And we have to trust God. See, we have to trust God when things are going well. We have to trust God when things are going bad. We have to trust God all the time because God is good. A lot of times we just don't know what God is doing. And so that we think that, well, you know, um, this thing just doesn't work. Well, you can say that, but it works. Everything he says works. (laughs) It really does. And see, what we can do is say, well, look, God is sovereign. So therefore, if he chooses to take Jesus home around 33, that's his business. That means that Jesus fulfilled the purpose of which he sent him. See, we know that. But do we say about this other 33-year-old to die? You know? So I'm saying that you have to, you know, believe God for your healing if you're sick. You have to believe God for your children. You know, you have to believe God for your mate. You're going to have to believe God for your finances. And you stand on the word of God and you just stand firm. And if it doesn't happen, it just didn't happen. You're still not going to lose your faith in God. God doesn't want somebody that's going to believe him, trust him only when things are going good. And that, in that case, you know, you wouldn't have, he, he told us so many things in the, in, the, in the Bible that we have so many examples about Joseph. Things didn't go well with Joseph. But he fulfilled God's purpose. Even in the midst of uh, all this stuff, accused of rape, accused, you know, in prison, all these things. He was still used for God's purpose. All that was for God's purpose. You know, you can go on and on. Job, I don't care who it is. We know that sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's our flesh. Sometimes it's just us not eating right. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can try, you can say, well, you know, Satan, Satan did this. Well, no, you know, you should just stop eating a loaf of bread a day. You know, then you might wouldn't have, wouldn't have had a heart attack, you know. So you got, you got to see, I'm, I'm seriously, there's a lot of things that take place. A lot of things. So we have to trust God regardless. Regardless. We don't, we might, we don't know any answers. Somebody said, well, why did God do this? I don't know. Ask him. You know? The doctrine of suffering. Is the last one we'll talk about today. <laughs> Woo! First Peter 1, 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 23. That's one that um, is very interesting. Uh, when I first came into Cornerstone Community Church, it wasn't called Cornerstone Community Church. It was called Faith Christian Fellowship. And uh, at that time, we were Word of Faith Church. And I used to say, I'm not going to suffer. If, if somebody said, well, why are you limping? I'm not limping. I'll be just limping. Why, why? You know, 
I, I, I was, I was, I said, I'm just speaking those things in existence that don't exist, you know. I would say, and until I start reading the scripture, you got to start reading the scripture, people. I'm telling you, you got to have some sound doctrine, you know. Uh, uh, we're not, we, we, just because you're a Christian, just because you pray, you can't pray away suffering. Some suffering. Some types of suffering you can't, okay. Let's look at this type right here that we're talking about. Let's look at, um, start in verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. Unreasonable? Do I have to put up with somebody who's unreasonable? God says that for this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience towards God now, towards God, not because you're afraid that you're going to lose your salary, but conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. It finds favor with God. Oh, can you pray that away? What credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, just find favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. So you tell the person you're working with, you've been called to suffer for righteousness sake. Oh, I'm going to speak against that. You can speak all you want to. But if you live righteousness, you live righteous before God, you're going to suffer persecution. The only way you're not going to suffer persecution is live like the world lives, like we used to live. You don't have to suffer anything, you know. Well, you're still going to suffer, though. But you, you, you won't suffer that kind of suffering. You know, you'll suffer another kind of suffering. It says, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He didn't commit any sin. Wasn't a deceit found in his mouth. But yet we know that he was crucified. People have sound doctrine. When you're working with people, understand that you need to teach them the whole counsel of God. Because if you don't, what happens is that, you, you know, you're going to have somebody that you work with. And you would have failed to prepare them for the adversities of life. You fail to prepare them for the good things in life, they might be um, suffering something that they don't have to suffer for. They're clearly in the word that, why don't you ask God? God says, this is not a me. You need to speak against that. He says, oh, no, I'm not going to speak against that because the doctor told me that this is normal. If God says speak against it, speak against it. Because if it's not of him, that means he'll take care of it if you will speak it. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue, you need to speak it. So you got to know what you need to suffer and what you don't need to suffer. Some things you don't have to suffer for. Because he's suffering. Today, as we close, we want to start with the doctrine that I first started with salvation. If there's anybody here that you may have been like me, and you say, well, I think I'm a good person. You know, I think you know, that... Um, I'm going to heaven. Matter of fact, I had a friend told me there was no such thing as a hell, so I'm okay anyway. Today, 
you've learned that there is a heaven, there is a hell, and we need to give our lives to Jesus Christ.